0: In this week's update, the Fed removes any remaining doubt about rates. The market reaction is emphatic and it's very telling. And the next step in successful portfolio construction and management. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been working through a process of successful investing. The four key steps, just to recap, get a clear and simple plan for you. Understand where the high probability growth targets are. Thirdly, develop an entry and management plan that works for you. And that's what we're going to address uh, this morning. And finally, uh, stay the journey. Don't jump at shadows. Don't be put off by um, short-term events or, um, you know, a shift in consensus thinking that's that's just not reacting to the wrong things. So they're the four key elements that I believe are involved in successful investing. So let's look at the third one, which is the entry and management plan that is suitable for you. And everyone to a degree is different in this respect. So there is no, um, you know, one cookie cutter kind of solution. It's it's a matter of tailoring, tailoring it for yourself. And, and the reality is that just about everybody needs some sort of help with that. Now, there can be different plans for different stocks. In fact, that, you know, that's probably going to be the norm for most people. Um, you don't have to have one plan that applies to everything. But the important thing is just to be clear about what that uh, different plan is for different stocks. Importantly, to document it. And then, unless circumstances change dramatically, then stick to it. Don't be put off by, by short-term events. So, some of the aspects to consider. What is your purpose? Is this a long-term investment or is this a shorter or medium term trade um, which is perhaps more technically driven the first one being a bit more fundamentally driven so you know what is your purpose for other people the purpose might be um, for dividends and long-term dividend growth and um, and nothing wrong with that as long as you don't get caught in a dividend trap. Are you going to buy? these investments in a single, a single purchase or is it gonna be a multi-purchase strategy? Again, all these things can be um, decided in advance. And in fact, must be decided in advance. There's no point in, in, um, in changing the purpose along the way. What is the total weighting that you are targeting for that particular stock? And if you are buying in um, in a multi-entry uh, technique, then what are the partial weightings as well? Again, everything uh, is decided in advance. What do the entry triggers look like? There's, there's several entry triggers that um, that lead to highly probable outcomes. What are what are the ones that you're using? What are you looking for? What are the profit-taking triggers or the triggers to, in fact? get out because the investment hasn't worked out what are they what do they look like all very important things let me show you some examples just to illustrate and these aren't recommendations at all these are just examples of what i'm talking about Um, firstly let's look at a stock um, 88 or ordinate group it's a quality long-term growth investment when you look at it from a fundamental point of view and has been for quite some time it has a near monopoly on the audiovisual industry and uh, and should be a good long-term investment. However, as with all investments, they get um, too expensive at times and um, and it's just had um, a very very substantial move to the upside of about sixty percent. So this is this is probably not one that you would want to be buying now. The entry triggers. If you're looking for a significant retracement, which is always good technique, and I've indicated a couple of points here where there were uh, a significant retracement, or there was significant retracement here, and again here, um, do you require reversal confirmation? So once, are you looking for the, the price action to actually show you that you've reached a base and you've turned up, or are you just perhaps working off technical support? Um, and not really needing the the reversal confirmation. Or alternatively, some people might be looking at buying into a a breakout. There is a technique called buying new 52-week highs, which has some validity. I'm a bit skeptical about it in um, in certain market conditions, but it certainly has some validity. Um, So these are all the decisions that could be made in advance. Now, when it comes to profit-taking, in my view, in long-term investments, trailing stops are useless because if it's a long-term investment, your trailing stop has to be fairly wide. Otherwise, you're going to get knocked out prematurely by just you know any old random uh, price movement. And if you are running a wide stop loss in a long-term investment, then often, in my experience, when, you, uh, when you've had a significant retracement, it's not, the, it's not the time to be selling, it's the time to be buying. So trailing stops are useless in my view. Uh, there are far better techniques that, uh, that we've been employing that, uh, that get you out much, much earlier. Um, so again, just clarity around purpose. Um, is your purpose to, to participate in the long-term growth of the company and not react to short-term events? So that is the purpose, and it's quite clear. Um, but then you can get the situation where what if what if the company is truly a world class, highest quality company, but the growth in earnings and therefore the growth in the share price is just not enough to meet your performance hurdles? So let me show you um, a stock that everyone is familiar with, and that's CSL. Now CSL, great company, but the long term returns, are uh, they're okay, but they don't shoot the lights out. And so they may not meet the performance hurdles that you have. And in, and in um, the Insiders Club, that is the case. However, that doesn't mean there isn't an opportunity. If we look at the meaningful corrections in CSL, correction number one here was a retracement of 25%. And following that, the stock after that retracement the stock went on to make a 150% plus advance in the next 21 months. Move on to the second point. We got a 26% retracement at point two, which was um, 2018 down to um, down to September to, to November 2018. 26% retracement followed by a 98% advance in 16 months. Now we're we're at point three at the moment, we had a twenty-seven percent retracement, and now we've had a very nice reversal, uh, and um, and it's all looking, um, you know, it's all looking pretty good. Um, so, rather than being in, see, C- a stock like CSL for the very long term and getting, you know, perhaps a mediocre return, there are there are ways to participate in stocks of this quality and get a much better return. But again, it just gets down to being organized and being clear about your purpose and clear about your plan. Third one I want to have a look at. Let's say you've identified a quality long-term achiever. This is a stock called Goodman Group that ticks all the fundamental boxes, which this stock has done for quite some time. But it's expensive. And a lot of the time, it's expensive. So it goes on the watch list from my perspective. We're waiting for a changed environment that might take six months, a year, two years, but eventually a much better opportunity will come along. So if you've got a truly high quality, outstanding asset, then there will be a point where you'll get a a great opportunity, just as we saw with CSL on the previous chart. So if we look at, there's a couple of entry points here. We'd had a very significant advance, and then we got a sig- quite a significant retracement from nearly $27 down to about 17 There was a reversal, and that reversal uh, took the, the price up on quite significantly. So a partial position with a predetermined maximum, 0.1, um, would have yielded a short-term return. And then... The second opportunity occurred when the price completed the correction down to a major support, put in another major reversal signal and allowed a second position to be taken. Now, there are many other examples that I could go through to illustrate the point, but the overall is clarity about purpose and clarity about process, being organized, being patient and not losing sight of the opportunities. So. That's that's the key that uh, the key message that I want to get across. Now, just a perspective on this level of organisation, because I would expect that a number of people are going to look at what I just covered and and think, well, it seems like a heck of a lot of work. How the hell am I going to keep that up year after year? Um, But my perspective on that is, it's your choice. You can either wing it and just you know play it as it comes. Or you can prepare for long-term investing success, and they're very, very different. If you're going to wing it, um, I don't know. I just think your financial future is far too important to be to be winging long-term investment, not having a, a structured plan, and just hoping that it all works out. Well, the other alternative, of course, is to prepare for success, and that's what these um, these four weeks of um, uh, of perspective on investing is all about, and it's not that much effort, really. Um, you know, and if you don't believe that you can sustain the focus to, to do this, then get someone else to help you organize it. That's you know, that's pretty much why special share education exists: is to help people get organized and execute reliably over the long term. And whenever anyone's honest enough to say that they balk at paying someone to help them with this. I just shake my head in disbelief at the false economy of it. It really is crazy. And just consider this, and this is, you know, this is not making any claims to any performance, but just some mathematics to to make the point. If you start with $100,000 and you're getting a 10% return per annum, then after 10 years, you're going to be at $259,000. But if you're getting a 20% return, then that's going to be 619,000. The point is that just a minor improvement in your long-term return makes an enormous amount of difference to your long-term wealth. So if you want to set yourself up properly, then this is the process what I'm going through, and the vast majority of investors just need help with it. That's just the reality. They don't have the time, they don't have the interest, and they don't have the focus to execute it over the long term. So they need the structure, they need the selections and and um I, I guess the, the ongoing perspective to stay disciplined, you know, not to get put off by events. So I, I hope this is resonating um with um with at least some of you because it's it's just such an important and um and clear structure for getting good long-term returns. Now, I'll complete this um, little series uh, on December 31. There'll be no video uh, next week on Christmas Eve um, for pretty obvious reasons. But um, on December 31, uh, we'll just look at the final element, and that is about staying the journey and, and not jumping at shadows. All right, American stocks for the week. Had a great week. Finished well Thursday and Friday. Rose two and a half percent, and it's up fifteen percent now in um, in seven weeks from the October low. Of course, we've got all the usual suspects. We've got the you know the big magnificent seven as they're now called um, leading the way, but uh, the breadth is uh, is enormous, uh, all the way down to uh, the small caps, as we'll see in a minute. So this has been a very, very impressive rally. Um, The US dollar index was off uh, a little bit again, 102.59. Now that the Fed has made it pretty clear that it's highly unlikely we're going to get any more rate rises. It would need a a reversal in the current trends we're seeing in inflation uh, and the economy. Um, So they've made that pretty clear and they've also put on the table that it's likely that we'll see three rate cuts in 2024. And this was just music to the market's ears. And as a result, the US dollar <clears throat> um, US dollar sold down a bit and the yield is down to um, 3.91. The VIX still steady at 12 and a bit. So that's, uh, that's pretty low. And the 10 year, two year spread, though, in the bond market is still negative, still negative 0.52. So the bond market hasn't Sort of given up yet on um on a worsening economic situation let's go and look at uh let's go and look at some charts so we'll start with um, in fact let's start with the with the s and p so this is the s and p on a daily this was the bottom on october twenty seven um, and you know i've been talking about this. Ever uh, every Sunday since it's pretty much just gone up almost in a straight line. Yes, it's overbought now, but um, there's a lot of dynamics that are still working in favor of pushing the um <clears throat> the index up higher. So that's on a daily chart. Let's just look at it on a weekly. So we're getting up close towards these uh all time highs, which were in um a January. Uh, January of 2022 so we're not very far off that the all-time high was just on 4800 we closed at 4720 so only another 80 points to those uh, all-time highs so this has been uh, a pretty meteoric rise let's look at uh, within the market this is semiconductors versus the S&P and again I've been calling this every step of the way since we saw the the bottom I think it was around about here Um, the start of 2023, the end of 2022, when I started talking about the the fact that the the market was changing, you know, you only had to look at semiconductors, look at uh, XLK, there was plenty of evidence. Now that doesn't mean that 2023 was easy because it wasn't, it was very hard. And it was very hard because a lot of the market was actually in a bear market and particularly small caps and particularly small cap mining stocks. So 2023 was very tough, but the reversal in the index was pretty obvious if you knew what to look for. Or let me put that another way. The reversal in the in the smart money flows was pretty obvious if you knew what to look for. And that's what all these charts are about. It's It's not just looking at the index, it's showing you where the smart money is going. So that's Semiconductors versus the S&P and it, it just looks um, very, very strong. This is the NASDAQ versus the S&P, same story, you know, very, um, very, very similar chart. So the market has been backing. The point is the market has been backing the more aggressive sectors of the market in preference to the more defensive sectors, and it's been doing it all year, but it's been doing it at the, at the big end of town but we're now seeing that start to filter down. the sort of the relative comparisons over the last quarter in the US. Uh, XLK at the top still, and it, clearly that's been the case for some time. Um, so that's, you know, that's all of the big tech stocks. Then finance, consumer um, services, uh, sorry, um, communication services, beg your pardon, um, which is an aggressive sector, and then we've got uh, we've got healthcare and materials and so on. Oh, sorry, consumer discretionary and materials, and then we've got healthcare. So that's the last quarter. If we have a look at the last two weeks, just to see if there's any change, consumer discretionary has absolutely rocketed in the last two weeks. So the the market in the states is um, is betting that. Uh, you know, the consum- consumer is going to remain um, highly resilient and the consumer is 70% of the U.S. Uh, economy. So that's that's a, a big vote of confidence for the U.S. economy. Technology has done well in the last couple of weeks. Um, finance, materials, not a lot of difference to these in the last couple of weeks. And you'll, you'll note what's important is that we've got consumer staples. Um underperforming in the last couple of weeks. And also, if we look at it, um, it hasn't exactly been the top performer during a year that I think many people would have expected um, defensive consumer staple stocks to have been near the top of the tree. So while I'm here, let's look at Australia. This is the um, the last quarter. We've got materials. Healthcare has staged an enormous recovery. From from lagging earlier in the year, and then we got finance. Small caps have also picked up with the the increase in small caps in the last quarter, and then we've got um, information technology has also done quite a lot of catching up. Again, let's just go in and look at the last couple of weeks. So healthcare has had a massive rebound, then information technology. So these were great opportunities. You know, you wind back a month or two months and there were screaming opportunities in healthcare, in some of the world's best stocks, and also in information technology as well. Materials has done well, um, et cetera. So that's what the individual money flows look like. Now, if we go to something like uh, IWM, so this is the Russell uh, 2000, we've had a very, very nice a reversal and increase One was trading down one 162 on the russell back in october and we finished the week at almost 200 so that's uh, that's a very significant move it's in excess of 20 percent. interestingly though if you put this on the weekly chart you can see that we've had a, a big we've had a very big um, sideways move here for some time so you've got to go back to january of twenty twenty two so it's almost two years of consolidation in the russell two thousand so the smaller end of uh of the market but look at the move just in the last um the last um several weeks and particularly the week just just gone now yes it pulled back a little bit from the highs but that's not unusual but to me this is This is the strongest move and it's accompanied by some really good volume. Yeah, you look at this move here. Yeah, the candles look good, but look at the volumes. Again, this, this move up here looked okay for three or four weeks, but lacking volume. Got a little bit better here initially, but not sustained. The volumes went away. But look at this period. Look at the, the volumes have been sustained and they're still growing. So I fully expect to see the Russell uh, break out and start to get back and, and challenge its its previous highs. And that's very, very positive for the market. Turning now to Aussie stocks, uh, the Aussie dollar, uh, 66.38. Uh, Our market gained 3.8% across the week. Um. And we're finally seeing small caps really building momentum um, and being rewarded for, for just being great growth companies. And also we're seeing some green shoots in, in lithium. whether it's a short squeeze, although that's not the case generally with the, uh, the early-stage developers, but whether it's a short squeeze or whether it's a, uh, just a rethink on where the lithium market is going, um, it, you know it's hard to tell at this stage, but certainly um some improvement in lithium and i'll have a bit more to say about that shortly so let's just have a quick look first of all I'll just to the um the currencies this is uh the us uh us dollar we did get a reversal back up on friday but it still wasn't enough for the week we had significant declines on uh, wednesday and thursday if we look at um, the australian dollar pretty much mirrors it. As- nearly always does and helped along by the just quite illogical strength in the iron ore price which is um, which is really quite amazing so just have a quick look at the as6200 so that's been it's been a really good couple of weeks as you can see and uh, enormous volumes went through on the as6200 to finish off the week and if we paid back Have a look at the big picture. We're still, the all-time highs up here, just over 7,600. We closed at 7,440. So we're still 150, 160 points away from from the all-time highs. So that's the market setup. Let's look at gold, gold on a daily basis. Now, this is quite amazing. And it just shows you, how manipulated the gold price is. So on a single session, and admittedly, part of it was during uh, a, a point of lower liquidity, lower activity in the gold market. But I think that's just the opportunity that the, the forces that are manipulating the gold price take advantage of. So on the 4th of December, we had a high of 2130 and a low of 2020 on the, on the one day hundred and ten dollar range now you know spare me what what does that what can cause the gold price to fluctuate by one hundred and ten dollars in a single twenty four hour period without overt manipulation <clears throat> and you know that's why i'm I've haven't been trusting of the gold price for many years now that that abrupt breakout and then failure. On the one day, was then followed predictably by some more selling. So the speculators who who jumped on this breakout got their fingers burnt, and uh, there was some follow through selling. And then we get another abrupt uh, turnaround uh, last Wednesday with the Fed um, announcements. And um, so that's you know that's where we we finished on the week. If you look at on a weekly chart, and whilst this is all unpredictable have a look at what we've got. Just stand back and look at what we've got. We've got higher lows. So I'm not making a prediction this is going to break out because I really don't trust it. But the fact is, if you're just looking at the chart, we've got a higher low. We've got a higher low. So is it building up? Was was this just the precursor and we are going to get a breakout? I really don't know, but um, it's certainly become very volatile in um, in the gold market but if we go to gdxj which is i think the most relevant global index for, for um gold stocks it's it's just not it's not the reaction from from the stock market that i that i would have expected either positive or negative it's just an, another week of really going nowhere Okay, so let's just run through that quickly. Um, <clears throat> so gold, it finished at 2020, um, and, but we are forming higher lows. That's that's the key point. Um, lower in Australian dollars, again, if you remember two weeks ago, we were up at, I think, close to 31.50 in Aussie dollars. We've dropped about $100 um, in Aussie. And um, yeah, just a, another sort of nothing week, really. Uh, Oh, there was one other thing that I wanted to do. Just, let's just have a look at the, um, the 10 year, uh, treasury yield, just to let's look at year to date. So this is the year to date on the treasury yield. So we've returned almost to where we started. So we started the year at around 3.7. Um, we went just over five, and now we've come back down to three point nine. So it really has been a year of, of extraordinary moves, and for the and for the ten year treasury yield, that's a, a lot of very significant moves. Just while I'm here, let's look at the um, the crude oil price, and again, I'll put this on a year to date chart. Just, you can get a sense of what the whole thing looks like. So we we had a couple of dips, we got down to 67 and a half and then another dip down to, um, down to 67 and we're, have been just under 70 reef recently. So 70 ish or just under seems to be the floor price for, um, for crude oil. And that's certainly where OPEC, I think wants to see it somewhere, um, between 70 and 80 so that's sort of a long term and I'll make a comment about that in a minute when we get there. Copper 3.83 so it uh, it worked its way a bit higher um, and uh, nickel still in the doldrums. 71.8 was, um, was where we finished um, and, and as I said $70 is shaping as that floor price but I think the long term outlook given the fact that The usage of oil is not going to go away for decades to come, despite what some people would want to see happen. Um, It's going to be around for decades. And the the severe underinvestment in oil exploration is almost certainly going to mean that supply will not be able to keep up with demand. And so, therefore, the long-term price for crude oil, um, I believe, has got to move higher. Lithium. Um I guess there was more proof during the week of a very erratic speculators market in lithium this is still a very young very immature market and yet stock prices are getting are getting murdered on the basis of um a market that is just not providing a true reflection of supply and demand and I think we we will see we we'll have probably got to wait until February but when we see the the actual prices um, achieved by companies like Pilbara Mines, Min Resources, IGO, et etc., Alchem. When we see what they're they're actually getting, you know, rather than um, some spot price that may or may not be remotely representative of what's going on in the market, then we'll have a better fix. So, you know, hopefully another six, six, seven, eight weeks, and we'll have a much better fix on this. The fact is, on the information that I have, that EV sales in China are on the rise, despite some commentary to the contrary. And I always just keep coming back, you know, because if if lithium is a long term story, it's it's extremely difficult to trade in and out of at the moment because of the volatility. But as a long term investment avenue, I'm still 100% there. And I just look at the amount of money that's validating that long-term future. Just look at the the billions of dollars that Albemarle, SQM, Alchem, Pilbara Mines, Min Resources, Rio Tinto, moving into uh, into lithium, Exxon Mobil moving into um, into lithium brines, and of course Gina Reinhart with Hancock Mining, um, and all of the activities that um, that they've partaken in, in the lithium space this year. It's just, it's too much money by very astute, very knowledgeable and very smart people to not be a valid long-term future. So you know, that's, that's the way that I look at the lithium market. And, um, and we've, it's probably already started We have the perfect setup for a short squeeze because Pilbara mines was the most shorted stock on the ASX. It was it was being priced as it was it was going to struggle you know big time to, to make a dollar, but in fact, even at um, significantly lower levels of spodumene than where we're at at the moment on spot sales, it's still very profitable. But as I said before, I'm really waiting with bated breath to see what what the actual price is that a company like Pilbara Mines achieved in um, in the last six months. All right, there's the spot copper chart. Bit of a tick up as you can see. I narrowed it down just come down to the last 60 days in the LME copper warehouse. That the copper inventories have come down, so that's helped the price a little. There's a spot nickel chart. Still did tick up a little last week, but still struggling with, uh, particularly with what's happening with um, with Indonesia and nickel. And nickel stocks continuing to climb, so that's certainly not helping there. Wrapping it all up, final thoughts, what, what can being highly organized deliver? You know, is, is it worth doing or, or do you just, you know, do the same old? Well, in my view, significantly better long-term returns are on offer. And as a, that little mathematical calculation I did before, it makes a massive difference over periods of 10, 20, 30 years to your long-term wealth outcome. It is absolutely massive. So it's worth having. And most investors, you know, I've been working with, um, with investors for more than 20 years and most investors are just not organized, um, or they cannot sustain the focus to execute effectively. It's just the reality. And that's not a criticism, it's just the reality of of where the vast majority of people are at. And those investors would benefit enormously from getting help with devising a suitable plan, getting one-on-one support to execute it reliably, all those things that I've talked about through this series. So from my perspective, generating long-term wealth is just too important to leave to luck and that's what most people are still doing, which is a great show. Portfolio analyst last week. Uh, there was a perspective on dividends versus capital gain. Um, I've got some very firm views on that, but I'm sort of willing to be open-minded that you know, there is a place for dividends, but there is an alternative. You, know, you can have both. It's not an either or. And we also looked at lithium. So what was the status quo of, uh, of lithium and where we're at at the moment? That's it for this week. There's more information on the website. There's my email address. So, no video next uh, Sunday, Christmas Eve, but there will be a video on uh, New Year's Eve. So, I'll see you then. Cheers.